So this morning we continue part two of our sermon series called Don't Talk About Money, the series where we talk about money. Did you get what we did there? And Wes is going to preach, so come up Wes. I'm sure many of you guys will have appreciated Wes's preaching over the last while. One of the things I can say is that this is a couple who um, practice what they preach and we've seen Wes grow and develop over the years, uh, together with Ulrika, but particularly as we speak about Wes this morning, uh, he's a man of integrity, he's a man who says the truth and makes sure that he's found the truth before he says it, right? And so I encourage you to open your hearts as he preaches. Father, I thank you for this man, thank you for the anointing and the gifting on his life, and I pray even this morning, Lord, as he gets to um, exercise and enjoy that gift, that not only will you bless him, Lord, but that you'd speak through him to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. As Craig said, my name is Wes. Such a great privilege to be speaking with you this morning um, as we continue on our on our series. But before I do that, man, I don't know about you guys sitting here, but we've had a week. <laughs> our family's had a week, and I just thought the worship was so amazing, that song... All I Need is the song that I've been playing through this week, trying to get through the week. And it's so true, such a true statement. Um, all we need is Him. So as we go into this uh, preach this morning, I just want to keep that in mind, that all we really need is actually Him. And all of this other stuff that we have to deal with is just superficial. So like Craig says, we're going to continue this morning on our series, Don't Talk About Money. And this morning we're going to talk about debt is dangerous, right? But first I want to have a quick recap of what uh, Craig spoke about last week. So last week we spoke about um, normal sucks, normal is broke. And what I loved about what Craig gave, he gave such a good sort of like cross section of what our society looks like out there, South Africa, in terms of sharing a lot of stats and looking at how people are struggling with their finances. And I just want to recap on a few of those, on a few of those points. So we said that 60% of the population are struggling to meet their home loans and credit card payments. Ouch. 45% are struggling to keep up to date with their debt payments. 77% of South Africans are left flat broke at the end of the month, i.e. too much month left after their money. As a stark uh, contrast to this, Craig also gave us an amazing picture of how God wants us to be in our society. And he took a picture of, of, of from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47, verse 7 to 9, and I will quickly read it for us. So it says, when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salt water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live there, wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish, because this water fl- flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And he gave us this picture where our lives are like that fresh water river that runs. And wherever there's saltiness or lack of life, As Christians, we are called to bring life into those places.
just drink some fresh water quickly. And, um, you know, what I was thinking was that every part of our lives should fulfill that, that, uh, that sort of destiny or that calling. And what often happens with many people is that some portions of their lives, they'll accomplish that. Relationships, you know, they give their relationships to God. They build their families up strong based on what Jesus tells them to do. In their workplaces, they work with honesty and integrity, and life flows from that. But sometimes what happens with people is it's like when we get to our finances, we go, oh, well, you know, it's a take-a-lot-one-day deal, you know. (laughs) And we sort of want to leave that part out because we're scared that God is going to do us wrong. And we're scared that God is not going to come through for us in that thing. And I was thinking about um, when we did Colossians. Didn't you just really enjoy the Colossians series? And my favorite part of that whole series was when we spoke about, in chapter 1, Colossians 1, verse 15 to 19, talks about the supremacy of Christ. And I'll quickly read it for us. So this says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from, from among the dead. So in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was so pleased to have all his full, fullness dwell in him. And I don't know, but when we were worshiping this morning, I had such a big view of God, such a powerful view of God. And that song, All I Need, if you listen to the original version, at the end he says, uh, or she says, she sings that he holds the universe in his hand. And we read scriptures like this, and God is supreme over everything, and he is mighty and he's powerful. And one thing that an elder told me in my previous church when I was still living in PE was that God is just like I said, so mighty, so powerful. He can, just with his words, he can cause a storm just to become completely calm. As he takes bread out of a basket, he can just create more bread. He can do anything. But yet, when he comes to us and he, and he asks us to do something, and we say no, he's gracious and he's humble and he's kind and he works slowly with us until we understand what he's trying to do. And so... Same can, can be said with our finances. You know, we, we need to submit our finances under his authority to see that picture that we described with the river flowing. So I'm going to quickly just talk about Dave Ramsey and FPU. So by the way, um, FPU coming this next year. So watch the space. Um, my wife and I will be heading that up. So if you want any more details, just chat to myself and Craig. We can at least get you started, but really, FPU is where we're going to get a lot of the sort of more technical details. It's a lot to cover, so in our series now, we probably won't get through everything. Um, but yeah, so Dave Ramsey, he's sort of the, the head of Financial Peace University. It's a program that's run in the States. He's a, a self-proclaimed redneck. <laughs> he calls himself a redneck. 
And he really has a solid biblical-based teaching. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme based on biblical finances or or biblical concepts, and we're going to have a look at a few of those this morning. But one thing he says that is sort of like a mantra that you can hold on to is that um, we live like no one else so we can live and give like no one else. Meaning that the sacrifices that we make now we benefit from, and others benefit from in the future. And like we also learned in Colossians, so we are called as Christians to live our lives differently. We live countercultural to what we see out there. We live according to what Jesus tells us, not on, according to what the world tells us. You know, whereas in Colossians they were talking about the rel- religious pressures of the culture of the day, I feel like for us, the pressure is much less of the religious side, but more of the cultural side in terms of achieving status. We all are on this sort of rat race, it sometimes feels like, where we have to accomplish a certain status. When you're at a certain position in life, you need to have a certain amount of things to your name or a certain value. We attach our value to our possessions. So I'll quickly just touch on the first two baby steps. Um, so the way Dave Ramsey and the FPU course works is that he teaches us seven baby steps based on biblical concepts, and it's just an easy, practical, actionable way to get your finances sorted out. And while I say easy, easy to understand, it's, it's, it's a long process, but it's the right process, and we'll look at more of that now. So step one, we start with an emergency fund, right? So the, the purpose of, of uh, the Dave Ramsey course to get out of debt, start with a small emergency fund. That's if things happen, car, something happens with your car, puncture, alternator goes, you don't have to go back into debt when you're trying to get out of it. So we save up a small emergency fund, and then we get out of debt by using the debt snowball. Right? Um, which we will learn more in FPU. Don't worry, I won't ask for your credit card details to give you the rest of the steps. <laughs> So Craig is also going to talk more about the rest of the baby steps next week, but for now we're going to just talk about debt. And I want to share a bit of our own story um, of how we came across Dave Ramsey. And it was like 20... So I'll start right at the beginning. Maybe not that much at the beginning, but I'll, I'll start at... In 2016, not that fast, 2016, I'll start there. So 2016 was when my daughter was born. And um, I remember at that stage of my life, I was like 20 or something. No, I was 30 years old. I was 30 years old, and I felt like um, this is it. I have a kid now. I need to be at a certain phase of my life. I need to have certain things, you know. And, of course, you know, we just had a kid. We need a bigger car. She was only like 3.2 kgs, like 51 centimeters long. But 2.6 kgs, but... but we needed a bigger car, right? And now I know babies have got a lot of stuff, but the point I'm making was the car that we had was big enough, and we could have actually done dealt with it fine. But the main thing was this sort of pressure that I felt like I, I needed to be, you know, successful, whatever, you know, weird. And so anyway, found the car that I wanted, awesome, financed. And I remember signing those millions of papers and contracts and all of those things. 
And I remember constantly turning in my mind was this thing of like, I don't feel like this is the right decision that I'm making. But I sort of brushed it off because I was like, this is how everybody buys a car. There's no other way to do it, right? I can't afford this thing cash. Like, it's never going to happen. This is the way it's done. You know, Lord, times are tough. You have to finance a car. Deal with it. (laughs) I didn't say that, but... Um, but man, I just couldn't shake this unsettled feeling, and this and this scripture kept coming into my head, and it's it's from Deuteronomy 15, and Deuteronomy 15 is about it's the ancient Israelites, and it's 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 a, a law that was put over them that every seven years they had to cancel their debts between each other. If there was an outsider uh, that owed money, they you didn't have to cancel their debts, but in the nation, debts had to be cancelled, right? Get the feeling that God doesn't like debt. I hope that this will, will enforce that. And then it says, uh, Deuteronomy 15, verse 4 to 6, this incredible passage, it says, However, there, needs no, ne- there need be no poor people among you. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God, and we are careful to follow all these commandments I am giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. And I thought, wow, you know, reading this again after so many years, I thought, wow, what an incredible uh, promise that God has for us that we don't lend from people. We are God's children and he gives us. He richly blesses us. So anyway, this was in my head. But again, I was like, nah, I want the car. <laughs> so financed the car, did it. And, you know, this thing of like, I was talking about the burden that, that, that we sometimes feel in terms of like progress and we need to be. And I feel like that's a burden that God never intended or wanted us to carry, you know. And um, so anyway, we uh, financed the car, and we drove it for a number of years. It was a great car, loved it, and served the purpose well. But then things changed. Uh, in Elrika's job situation, and things started to get pretty tough. We were struggling to, we were those stats that I read in the beginning, we were there. We were well, the 77%, we were that. We were like, we were 77%, we were that one. And... Um, yeah, I just remember we had to like, some months we had to like sell things. I had this awesome little Laney guitar amp, tube amp, and like, I wish I still had that thing. I would play it here. And I had to sell it to like buy groceries, you know. And um, yeah, things started to get tough and still had the car. Didn't want to let go of the car. I'm like, Lord, I don't see any other way. And then the one morning after church, Craig was like, hey, I found this guy on the internet. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> Fortunately about Craig, you know, if he finds a guy on the internet, he's done the research and you can trust that the person is good. And it was Dave Ramsey. I started mulling it over in my head. He told me his approach to buying a car. I thought, yeah, that sounds crazy. That sounds out of this world. Started listening to his podcast and I was like, wow, this guy's talking the truth. This feels like the truth that I'm hearing. And I remember I made a decision one day. I came home and I was like, love, we're selling the car. <laughs> she was like, what? 
So I love reselling the car. So anyway, we sold our car, and um, fortunately we settled. We were able to settle with the bank. Man, did that feel good. No more debt. That contract closed, done. I didn't have to do any dealings with the bank anymore. And um, we had, after that, we had a bit of cash left over. Long story, long story short, we were without a car for a few months, and we drove this old uh, Ford Tracer that belonged to my sister. She was away in another country for, for a while, and we had it, and we drove it. And then, no aircon, <laughs> but we did it. We still alive. And then eventually, we had enough money where we could buy another car cash. And the car that we bought was half the value of the first car that we had. It had 132,000 Ks on the clock. Um, and it lasted all the way up to 200,000 Ks. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm not crying about the car. <laughs> I'm crying about just the promises that God has for us. So we drove that car to 200,000 Ks. And for those of you who have the argument of like, well, it's not reliable, it's not safe, you know, not a, it's, it's risky to buy a second-hand car. We drove that car to 200,000 Ks. But then we crash-tested it. We're still alive. It's fine. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> it was written off exactly a month ago. My wife and my daughter were in an accident, written off. And But we love that car. We love that car. It started every single morning. It took us to uh, the Western Cape and back when we visited our folks. It took us to the Eastern Cape and back when we visited my folks. And, yeah, it was just amazing. But the, the best thing about it was that it was ours. God gave us this car, you know. So, um, yeah, the, so the point of the, um, that story is that, you know, I hope you get the point. I hope you get the point. Right? Buying cash is just, is just better. So you might be at this point thinking, well, you know, um, I have some debt, but I'm still meeting my payments, still have enough money left over to, to bless people. You know, I have enough money to tithe. And I want to say to you, well done, genuinely, genuinely well done, because you obviously have perseverance and faithfulness and you work hard at the career that you are in and that you have got to a position where, like Dave Ramsey says, your shovel, you've got a big shovel, you know, um, you, you've got a big enough income to have some debt but still have money left over. But I want to just say that I felt like if you're in that position, man, just take a moment just to think about how much better off you could be if you had no debt. You know. And I was thinking about Craig. It's like if you have a little bit of debt, it's like your one foot is in, in a cast. And we were, I was in crutches like a year or two ago, and Craig and I were talking about the other day how difficult it is to do things when you're in crutches. You, like, can't help anyone. Your hands are always, like, tired, you know. And that's exactly what it's like being in debt or even a little bit of debt, you know. Your spending power, your 
you know, if, if God calls you to bless someone, you're not able to give up your finances as quickly as you can if you're not in debt when God calls you to do that because you're handcuffed to someone else, to someone else's, uh, you know, contractually hand, handcuffed. And, um, yeah, sorry, my, my preach is a bit of a mess this morning. It's a reflection of how the week's gone. <laughs> I hope you can bear with me, and I hope that it's making sense. So I hope that it's, yeah, I just... So I want to just share a few scriptures about uh, debt this morning. Um, just to kind of reinforce this thing of, you know, just how, I want us to understand how God feels about debt. Debt is not a sin. If you're in debt, you're not sinning. You're not a sinner. But you are going to be so much better off if you don't have the burden of debt. Like I said, when I, when I paid off that car, then when I settled that car, it was like I could like breathe again. It was like I felt light. And then I, I remember the day that I cut up my credit card. We had a credit card as our emergency fund. Cut up the credit card. I was like, oh, just, you just feel that, that, that burden lifted off of you. So I want to share from Proverbs 6, verse 1 to 5. Um, it says, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands in the pledge for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you have said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do not, uh, so do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion, and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. I think the the one up there is a different translation. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. Right, And now, when Dave Ramsey talks about debt, he bases it on this scripture. And in the FPU course, he shows this video of this gazelle being chased by a cheetah. And it's like frantic, and it's high-paced, high-energy, and that gazelle is just putting everything it has to survive. And it gets away. And he likens us to that gazelle, and he, he says we need, when we're in debt, we need to, be, we need to have gazelle intensity. We need to be like that gazelle, like getting away from that hunter. You know, getting out of debt, it needs to be everything we need to put into it until we get to that point where we're free of this thing. In Proverbs 13, verse 11, it says, I actually really enjoyed doing a quick little uh, translation study and just looking at what the different translations say. So I'll read this one up here. It says, Wealth quickly gained is quickly wasted. Easy come, easy go, but if you gradually gain wealth, you will watch it grow. It even rhymes. That's pretty cool. Um, but I like some of the other translations as well. It says, wealth obtained from nothing dwindles, but one who gathers by labor increases. That's the NASB. And it's like when we have debt, you know, it's like the one day we have maybe not nothing but very little, and the next day we have all this wealth, but actually it's not really wealth, it's just the image of wealth. And um, it quickly dwindles. The The new car depreciates, you know, then eventually it becomes an old car, and then you have to go over again, you have to do it all over again to maintain that that thing, you know. Wealth quickly gained, quickly dwindles. But I love the King James version of this quote, of this uh, verse. It says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. 
Wealth gained by vanity. Wealth gained by us wanting to put on a show of ourselves, you know, versus submitting ourselves under the Lord. And and it's not like the God that the Lord won't bless us and increase us. I just think about the story of Joseph, where he just everything he did, he listened to the Lord, trusted the Lord, and he and he praised the Lord, prison, slavery, all of those things, and he got exalted to second highest, you know, power in Egypt. Incredibly wealthy. But the difference is that God did it. He didn't try and accelerate what God had planned for him. And then in Romans 13 verse 8, it says, um, the King James Version says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. And the NIV, I I think I like the NIV translation more. It says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves... Uh, others has fulfilled the law. And you really get the sense that God is not, his focus is that we are a people that pour out versus pour into ourselves. You know, just like the picture of the, of the, the fresh water, you know, that produces life. That's what we are and that's what we need to be in our finances as well. We need to be, by being in the positive all the time, we can be that. We can, you know, someone at work, Heard they're going through a tough time, you know, slip an envelope in their top drawer or something, you know. And that's, that's what, that's the, the, the heritage that I want to, and you know, that's, that's what I want to be when I follow God with my finances, you know. And it, and like the things, the details, God will sort it out, you know. We, we bought a new car this week. And, um, man, it's not easy buying cars. <laughs> it's so <laughs> difficult. As, but we did it, and you know God is so faithful in it, and um, um, yeah, He's just He's just faithful when we trust Him. Um, I want to share quickly Proverbs twenty-two, verse six to seven. Um, it says, "Train up a child in the way we in the way he should go. Even when he's so, even when he's old, he will not depart from it." Many of us know that part, but I don't know if you maybe know this part. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. It's pretty clear, right? Rich rule over the poor, borrower, slave to the lender. When you're in debt, you're enslaved to that person that you're lending to. I just want to check, how are we for time? Ooh. A few minutes, cool. So I want to share, I've got like a whole lot of points, but I'll just quickly take my favorite ones, and I'll share them, and then we're done. Um, so, Debt. Erodes our spending power, right? Debt. You guys know, when you finance something, there's interest. And I remember when I bought that car, when I financed that car, drove it home for the first time, and I was like, oh, this is great. But in the back of my mind, I was like thinking, five years' time, I could have two of these. Yeah. And same with credit cards. The more debt we're in, the more interest we're paying. And it slowly erodes us. Although the image looks great on the outside, it slowly erodes us. It exposes us to risk. You know, like with us, circumstances change. At one, more, at one point, you know, we're like on the ragged edge and we're like, we're fine, we're making it. Something changes, you know, and then, yeah, then you're off the cliff. Yeah. So when you're in the positive, okay, so I, I just want to say, and I want to sound like I'm bragging when I say this, it's just... God's faithfulness. When we got out of debt, 
we were in the green, and we've never gone back into the red. We've always been in the green. And we've been hit by a lot of stuff. We had, I shared it at FPU when we did it last year. Our, in our upstairs bathrooms, the pipes rusted through and leaked through. And there was like a torrential rain pour inside our living room. And Chance was like, sorry, we don't cover galvanized pipes. We paid for it cash. No stress. Done. And it's just God's faithfulness. Because when you follow him, he sorts you out. He sorts you out. He doesn't leave you, you know, but sometimes we don't, we forget that. Sometimes we, and then we try and make plans. Last point. So when we're in debt, it leaves no room for God to work in our lives, right? When we approach our finances with faith, then faith, then God can work in us. Gives him something for us to do, to do in our lives. If we're constantly just running on the ragged edge and we're going ahead of what God's planned for us, can't can't do anything. Can't do anything. There's no room for faith when we go into debt. Over to you. Yeah, well done, Wes. That's great. I'm sure you felt the the um, authenticity with which he spoke, right? I trust you understand. Man, it's been a great morning this morning, right? I trust you understand. We're not pointing fingers. You might be saying, gee, are we at a money course? Yes, you are. Because Jesus spoke about money a whole lot. And we believe that we're equipping each other for life as believers in this culture, right? And so I hope what Wes has said this morning has been a challenge to you. It's been a great example to you. Like he said, this is not a matter of hell or heaven. It's not a matter of God judging you or not. But rather, there's an opportunity to serve God in a way that he wants us to, that we can work Walk in his freedom and his blessing. Man, when people come and tell me stories, I say, hey, I've got to put my head in the pillow at night and get some sleep. And what you're talking about is going to rob me from that. And um, Wes, you did a great job. Let's stand together. I feel like God's challenged us in a number of ways. It's been an interesting morning. We started a little quiet. I felt like we've, we've heard the Lord as Wes and um, the guys have pointed out. We've, we've seen him clearly this morning. And part of that is living in his blessing, that the river of life would flow into us and then through us. Um, it's a beautiful thing. When we, when we become debt-free, it's funny we use that word, but there is freedom we, work, we walk in. No man can turn up at my house and take something from me legally. Because it belongs to me, right? And man, maybe there are many areas in our lives where we lack freedom. Freedom just in our own selves and the way we think of ourselves. Freedom in the way we live life. Fear and, oh man, and I'm living in South Africa. How will I ever make it in this world? How am I? What about my children? How will they ever have a good life because of the country we live in? Man, I'm telling you, we live under the presence of this God that we've spoken about. And I'd like to pray for us this morning that you and I would see him clearly that it would bring us freedom. Yeah? That no man, not even no devil, no culture, no circumstance would have the right to exercise control over us. Does that sound good to you? That the way we think of situations in ourselves, the corners we put ourselves in, even those things, 
wouldn't hold power over us. You know the amazing thing, I have to say, friends, that even when we've put ourselves in a bad situation, when we've put ourselves under pressure, when we repent, God is faithful and He comes in for us. Yeah? It's amazing. The Bible tells us so clearly that He is our protection, our shield and our reward. And so we're not saying, man, you've got to jump through all these hoops because then we're just going back to Colossians like we said. You're just doing it on your own. Not saying you jump through hoops. We're saying there's a way that God can call us to live. But in the meantime, we reach out like the guy drowning. You put up your hand. The um, lifesaver sees that hand and he comes out and he saves you from going down. Same situation with the Lord. Father, we pray for everyone in these buildings this morning. We think of the kids as well. The people standing outside with the littlies. And Father, I thank you that there is no, um, uh, no place we can find ourselves. Joseph was in the, the, the prison, locked up, and you still could intervene and change his life, Lord. And I thank you for each one of us. We thank you for the, the, the um, celebration of these children this morning and these families. We thank you, Lord, for the way out that you've shown us this morning. And I thank you, God, that there's nothing... There's no circumstance that we can find ourselves in where you aren't able to rescue and to put our feet back on solid ground. And I pray you do that this morning, Lord, in our minds, in our hearts, in our, the way we live our lives, Lord, even in our relationships. We thank you, Lord, that you put our feet on solid ground. I thank you, Lord, that we've seen you clearly this morning as Wes kept pointing back to Colossians where we see you as supreme and sufficient. I thank you we've seen you clearly, Lord, which is enough for us. All we need is you, Lord. I pray you'd help us, Lord, from that point to set our feet on a course of action that puts you as the head of our lives and brings us freedom in Jesus' name. Pray your blessing on each one of us as we go. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. One of the things that Colette nudged me, while we're listening to Wes preachers, what you may or may not know is Wes designs cars for a living. Uh, much like many guys, when he talks about cars, they're close to his heart, but not as close as the Lord. Right? And so this is really a, a deep thing that he's spoken to us about this morning. So God bless you. Hang around. There's some coffee and some great rusks, homemade, uh, out in the courtyard. Look forward to having a chat. Have a great week.